We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat and Jason. I'm so glad that we decided to do our Game 3 recap podcast for the first round series between the Bulls and the Bucks the morning after the game. We did that because you were at the game, probably drinking copious amounts of beers, super jacked up to attend what was perhaps the biggest Bulls game since, I don't know, 2015 in the first round series against the Cavs, maybe 2017 when the Bulls had they were the up 2-0. lead against yeah. the Boston Celtics. <clears throat> Either way, Jace, this was a huge game for the franchise. In a big moment for this current iteration of the team, you get the split. In Milwaukee, in the first two games of the series, the Bulls outplayed the Bucks in total, I would say, across those first two games. Coming back to the United Center, super jacked crowd. I looked up tickets myself to see if I wanted to scoop up a last-minute one for my girlfriend and I. They were about 130, 140 ticket, 140 bucks a piece. Decided to stay at home, watch the game on TV, and man, that's the only W I got on the night because the Bulls got absolutely crushed Milwaukee 111 Chicago 81 Jace they lost by 30 and it didn't even feel that close this game was basically over from midway through the first quarter the Bulls laid down rolled over and died showed no fight in terms of trying to claw out of their early deficit against the Bucks and the Bucks just stomped the life out of the Bulls in this game um it's only one loss. Milwaukee now leads the series two to one. Game four is in Chicago at noon on Sunday. Somehow the Bulls are going to have to turn the page 36 hours later. And man, if the Bulls can compete in game four, Jace, that would be really, really impressive because their performance in game three was so terrible. That is the type of stink that like sticks with you. Uh, just an absolutely atrocious exhibit from the Bulls. 
they get an F overall for their performance. And Milwaukee just went through them, uh, you know, with, with no problem whatsoever. So, Jace, you were in the arena. What was it like being in the arena for that absolute shit show? Yeah, I mean, you talked about being jacked and juiced in the words of Jim Boylan. Uh, but the crowd was ready to roll. Like, it was the crowds definitely was fired up. He said first home game in five years or whatever. Uh, I was ready. Had some solid seats for front row of the 300 level. Uh, it got those for like 105 bucks. So not bad. I got those like a week ago. Um, and it was ready to go. And I, like, obviously, like after the middle, Chris Middleton injury, he's done for the series. Uh, I tweeted like, you know, like Bucks still probably the favorite here. They still have the best player in the series. He's still got a great player in Drew Holiday. I have some other good role players. Bucks still probably the favorite, but maybe the Bulls have a chance. <laughs> and that gets erased. Probably, let's see. I'm looking at the play-by-play here. Like you said, midway through the first, they were down eight by eight. Ten, they were down 10 points five minutes into this game. Uh, the last time the Bulls were within single digits of this game, DeMar DeRozan hit a pull-up jumper with just over three minutes left in the first quarter to make it 22 to 13. That was sandwiched in, in between Grayson Allen three-pointers. And Grayson Allen, just part of a, just, this is like just an absolute nightmare night. Grayson Allen had what, 22? I think he had, I think game high, like 22. Five three-pointers. Bobby Portis gets the start in place of Chris Middleton. He got them the, the Bucks going with a few three-pointers, and he had, like, I think 18 and 14, something like that. So you got the number one hated man, Grayson Allen, off the bench, 22 points, 8 of 12 shooting. Bobby Portis, former bull, knocked out Nikola Mirotic, 18 points, 16 rebounds, got the Bucks going with his shooting early. And then just the Bulls themselves, I mean, just a, a shockingly terrible performance. Like, you know... the he had to figure the Bucks would play a bit better at some point here after you could say sleepwalking, whatever they were doing. They just didn't play that great in up in Milwaukee outside of like Giannis and Brooke Lopez. Uh, but they found their defense in a big way. They, I mean, DeMar and Zach just could not get going at all. I know they were talking. I, I can't remember. I just was reading John Greenberg's column in The Athletic called it the, the Beyonce defense because they were just forcing them those guys to the left they just they couldn't get free and i mean zach looked terrible uh demar i mean demar just didn't really do much of anything he had what i think nine he had like nine shots 11 points on nine shots game worse minus 23 zach had 15 uh and six of 13 did a five so i mean he just didn't ever really look like he was much of anything and i mean i mean no one else vooch had like a few threes early then went cold Patrick Williams went 0 of 9 from the field. Crusoe had a few threes early, but, I mean, he was really not impactful. Uh, the only person who could say that they like, had, like, a decent game was Tony Bradley, who scored 10 points in garbage time on 5 of 5 shooting. I mean, it's looking at that. I mean, Kobe was awful again. They just got nothing from anybody. Like, there was literally no one of the regular rotation who you could point to and say, yeah, like, this guy played pretty well. Like I said, maybe Vooch. But besides that, just, like, a complete total no-show uh, and it's just like shocking. Like, I don't want to be like super meatball and like mad about it, but like you would expect a better, at least a somewhat better performance in your first home game in forever. And after a, a big game to win to at least rise to the occasion, at least compete maybe a little bit. But so this game was over midway through the first, the bulls were down by double digits for about 40 minutes of this game. Uh, and it was just shockingly bad. And like the, obviously the crowd taken out of it early. I was just kind of, I, t- I told my wife before, I'm, I'm not going to be on my phone much. I'm like, I'm excited about this game. I'm going to really try to focus on this. Uh, and then, of course, like all second half, I was just reading through Twitter and tweeting angry crap because I was drunk and mad about this game. But uh, yeah, awful. 
just it, there's not even much more to say about it just because it was so bad, so non-competitive, and you I can't even point to anything. You'd be like, you know what? Maybe here's like where the Bulls could do better. It was just a complete beatdown in every single way. Yeah, like I said to start this off, I'm glad we didn't do this right after the game because I was so angry watching <laughs> that game. I mean, I hit rock bottom at one point in the third quarter when I asked my girlfriend if she wanted to do a YouTube workout instead of watching the rest of this game. That's as low as it gets for me. Uh just a pathetic offensive performance from the Bulls. 81 freaking points, an offensive rating of 83.5. To put that in perspective, the dead last offensive rating in the NBA this year by the clearly tanking Oklahoma City Thunder was still 103 points per 100 possessions. The Bulls, in a must-win playoff game, just scored 83 points per 100 possessions. Uh, absolutely putrid offensive performance. So, okay, what stood out? Obviously, in game two, that was the DeRozan show. Goes off for 41 points. In game one, shoots 6 to 25, says, no way in hell I'm going to do that again. And he lives up to his word, right? 41 points in game two, single-handedly saving the Bulls offense against the Bucks, and, you know, giving them enough shot making to eventually come away with a win in that game. Milwaukee makes an adjustment in game two of just essentially loading up on DeRozan every single time he touched the ball. It was very similar to how the Bulls were defending Giannis, I thought, in games one and game two early in the half court, where every time DeRozan caught the ball, they had multiple defenders keyed in on him. Me and you had been talking about how the Bulls role players need to prove they can make shots to garner defensive attention in the playoffs. That was not happening. Patrick Williams missed his first three-point attempt. I don't think Patrick Williams was guarded again the rest of the night. I mean, they were just like straight up ignoring him. He did not hit an outside shot on the night. He goes 0 of 4 from 3 and 0 of 9 from the field. One point in 30 minutes for Patrick Williams. 0 of 9 from the field. Just rough, rough stuff. And when you don't have to guard him, and I'm not blaming it all on Pat, oh, yeah. obviously, but when you don't have to guard him, what that allows is the Bucks to send multiple defenders at DeMar. And DeMar had no answer for it. DeMar could not shake loose. Billy Donovan had no answer for it in terms of like maybe getting him going a little bit more off the ball. That didn't happen. Instead, it was just like DeMar ramming his head into a brick wall, possession after possession. He goes four of nine from the field. How does DeMar take four shots in this pivotal play? Or I'm sorry, take nine shots in this pivotal playoff game. That, that, had, unreal, to be a, that had to be a season, season low it, for him, right? I it mean, was mostly because of the Milwaukee game plan, which yeah. was do not let DeMar go off. Don't guard anyone else. The rest of these losers aren't going to beat you. <laughs> the Bulls can only compete with us if DeMar is saving their ass. Now, the natural flip to that should be, well, what about Zach Levine? Zach Levine is supposed to be the pressure release that allows the Bulls to still have some offensive potency when teams are loading up on DeMar. And Levine in this game played perhaps one of his most disappointing games as a member of the Chicago Bulls. The numbers in the box score don't look that bad. He went six of 13 from the field for 15 points, but he was a minus 22 on the night. And in general, Levine was horrible in this game, Jason. He was settling for terrible pull-ups in the first half where it didn't even look like his body was on balance on some of these attempts. Like it legitimately looked like he was waving the white flag as he was shooting some of these attempts getting no rim pressure at all. You look at the cleaning the glass numbers. I've been talking about the rim pressure all series. The Bulls took, uh, let's see, 
I mean, they took 10 free throws. Of their shots, 14% of their shots at the rim. That would be in the seventh percentile. Yeah. So no rim pressure. Levine not getting to the rim at all outside of a couple times in the second half. Settling for just horrible shots. I thought Levine's defense was dog shit as well. Leaking out to try to get some easy transition scores. Well, guess what, man? Lonzo's not there to grab the rebound and hit you with the outlet anymore. So his defense was just a total disaster. Uh, w- one thing that makes me upset about this game is Caruso actually hit threes. Like, yeah. if there's a formula for the Bulls winning these games, it's like, all right, you're going to need the role players to hit some threes, and you're going to need DeMar to, you know, carry the offense. Caruso hits three threes, but it just doesn't even matter. Like, it doesn't. It didn't mean anything because yeah. they were getting stomped out from the opening minutes of this game. So, absolutely pathetic offensive performance from the Bulls. I blame it on Billy Donovan. I blame it on the role players. I blame it on Demar. I blame, blame it on everybody. It Every, was all bad. Everyone deserves blame for this game, but except for, except for Marco Simonovic because he didn't play. <laughs> I'm glad we slept on it because as I woke up this morning, I thought, well, still two to one. All they had to do was get a split in Chicago, in my opinion, for me to be satisfied with the series. And they still have one opportunity left. But like I said at the top, you know, game two or game four coming so soon after game three, like, how do you turn the page from this? You just got your neck stomped on for 48 minutes. Now you got a pivotal playoff game 36 hours later. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot went wrong for the Bulls in this game on both ends of the floor. And the one sort of silver lining you could maybe point to is just that the Bucks role players were incredibly hot from three. Grayson Allen in particular, Bobby Portis in particular, you alluded to both at the top of the pod. Uh, Grayson had five threes, Portis had four threes. So hopefully the Bucks role players go cold again. Uh, and, you know, this was a little concern for me. People will say this is crazy, but with Chris Middleton's injury, obviously Middleton is a great player and very pivotal to the Bucks trying to repeat as champions. Middleton was also terrible for large <laughs> stretches of game one and game two. Yeah. And his poor performance was the only reason the Bulls really had a chance in both those games because Middleton has the ball. A lot. He takes a lot of shots. The offense slows down when Middleton does his work in the half court and he was trash. Well, now Middleton's out. And what do they do? Spread the floor, give it to Giannis full steam ahead. Giannis kicks out to open shooters. I thought Giannis's passing in this game was phenomenal. He finished with only 18 points, but he had nine assists. He has improved so much. Giannis has improved so much is a passer over the last two seasons in particular. And this year, you know, he's taken another jump. Milwaukee role players on fire. So obviously Middleton being out does work to the Bulls advantage and it is good luck for the Bulls. But man, like when Middleton sucked, <laughs> you know, that sort of did it's, work. Yeah, it's not, that, it's that not good luck. So yeah. it's not good luck when Bobby Portis is putting up 18 and 16 and hitting four threes. I mean, that's, that's way better than like Middleton was providing. And just that, that huge, that's a huge fucking lineup when you have Brooke, Giannis, Giannis and Bob start the yeah. game. Right. Like, I mean, that's just huge. So much bigger than the bulls. I mean, we talk about the bulls. They couldn't hit anything. They also didn't get any offensive rebounds. The bulls missed what? 51 shots. They missed four free throws. They missed 25 threes. They got five offensive rebounds. Two of those were by IO. The starting lineup had one offensive rebound. Like they were just, they were the bucks defense with their size 
the game plan, like you said, loading up on DeMar, was keeping the Bulls totally on the perimeter, no rim pressure, as you said, chucking threes, which we want them to take threes when they're there. So, like, when they're there, you gotta, you got to shoot them, you got to make them. The Bulls were not making them. They were also not rebounding any of those misses. Uh, and that's a recipe for an 83 offensive rating, 81 points uh, performance. And then they had 13 turnovers, too, which is too ma- a bit too many. It's not horrible, but, like, yeah, I mean, just like look, just looking at this box score, it's just like talking about seeing red. This it's just pure red, bloody, terrible all over. Uh, they just said nothing. So like, I looking ahead to like game four. I, I like the only like thing I'm hoping for is that the noon like matinee start is just like super weird, and the Bucks come out lethargic, and like maybe the Bulls take advantage because if the Bucks come out with a similar game plan, like how do the Bulls beat it? You just gotta hope they actually do hit their outside shots. That Patrick Williams won't go of nine. That I mean, Kobe White was two of nine, one of six from three. Io played a little bit more. He didn't really do anything. He did have five assists, I guess, but he missed all three of his threes. I mean, Demar's got to take more shots. Zach's got to be more aggressive. But like, but the Zach thing, I don't know with Zach, man. I feel, it, it, I mean, we've been talking about this for months now that it, it just seems like it is what it is. He just doesn't have the juice that he normally does when he's healthy. And I mean, he talks about how he's play, playing through this knee and these doing what he can. You have days off here where you're not playing back-to-backs, but I mean, he just doesn't look like anything close to the guy that he is when he's really good. Uh, I mean, some of that is the Bucks defense being great. Some of that is, I mean, Zach's first playoff playoff games. Uh, decision-making has not never really been like his strong suit. So you just really do wonder. And I, I know I tweeted last night, just was, I, I think a lot of people are turning on Zach right now. Uh, and like saying, not a max player, the Bulls shouldn't keep him. They shouldn't pay him. And like, if the series keeps going like this and Zach doesn't keeps not playing well, there's gonna be a lot of Bulls fans. I think that want, that want to move on from him. And I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. I really do think this injury is just completely fucking, because he just doesn't look like the guy that is in a, is one of the best scores in the NBA. It's just not there. He doesn't have the juice, the explosion. It is just not there at all. Uh, and I, I really have to think that's knee related. Obviously, again, hopefully that knee, whatever, whatever he gets it do, gets done to it to fix it. Hopefully, it, like no long term issues. And I still really am not like concerned about like whatever handing him a max. But the tide is turning on him big time, and oh he's had, he's at a bad, he's at a he's at a really bad series so far. Even the Twitter accounts that I like are like, you can't Zach Levine's not that guy. You can't give Zach Levine yeah. money. All right, so here's the question with that, and I don't want to get too into it, but it's right. like. How are the Bulls going to upgrade that spot if right. they let Zach Levine go? Like, Levine is a back-to-back all-star. He's still, what, 27? I think he'll be 28 yeah, in his next prime. year. In the prime of his career. The only question with Zach Levine is, can the knee get back to 100% yeah. even over the course of the offseason? And the fact that they kept saying there's no structural damage is almost more concerning for me. Like, if they were going to say, well, he's playing on a torn meniscus, we're going to go in, we're going to clean it up, yeah. and then he'll be good to go next season after two or three months of recovery – That would be one thing, but it is a little scary to me that they keep saying there's no structural damage. So I don't know how accurate that is. Maybe they, he probably will have off season knee surgery, right? Like as soon as the season ends, he's he's going to have an operation. Some kind of cleanup. Yeah. And I guess maybe there's a scenario where the bulls can sign and trade him to a team that wants him, but like, it's going to be very, very difficult for the bulls to 
get someone better than Zach Levine if they choose to move on from him in free agency because they don't have any cap space. They're out the 2023 draft pick in the Vooch trade. They're out their 2025 draft pick, top eight protected in the DeRozan trade. And essentially, if you're saying, I don't want to give Zach Levine the max, then you might as well trade DeRozan and trade Vooch because those guys are in their like late stages of their prime ready to go and you're just being like all right well we traded all these future draft picks for one run now we're not going to sign levine and this derozan vooch experiment is over so at that point just trade derozan trade trade lonzo and i guess start tanking for 2028 that's like basically (laughs) what you're saying if you don't resign zach levine so they got to resign zach levine and but really like they can only do it if they have a doctor tell them yeah, he's going to be able to get back fully yeah. healthy. We fixed what's wrong with him, and it's going to be okay. Because, yeah, Levine looks fucking terrible. And it sucks because I really wanted Levine to elevate himself on the playoff stage the same way Jamal Murray once did, Donovan Mitchell did in the bubble. Well, Donovan Mitchell has just been <laughs> torched in this series against Dallas. Now, he looks totally humiliating, and he doesn't even have the injury excuse. Uh, Devin Booker, same way, so... You know, this was a big opportunity for Zach, and unfortunately, he's not healthy enough to capitalize on it. I don't want to make too many excuses for him either because he sucks. He told (laughs) Will Gottlieb after the game, quote, I've been limping all season, bro. So that's not technically true because he was pretty healthy for the first half of the season. And then about the second half of the season, uh, he has been limping, bro. So Zach is a total disaster. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Game four adjustments, Jason. 
We should talk about them real quick. Uh, I got a couple in mind. Right. First one, Patrick Williams, get your ass on the bench. I'm sorry. I know that the Bucs are going with this supersized lineup. And a big reason why the Bucs dominated game three is because of their size advantage. Having Brooke Lopez, probably 7'1", 250. Bobby, 6'11", 240. Giannis, 7'8", <laughs> 350 pounds, or whatever he is. That's, that was their front line. So they had Giannis at the three to start this game. So I get that, you know, the Bulls need Pat's size just to compete a little bit. Also, Pat, you played 30 minutes and had one point. You went over <laughs> nine from the field. Pat to the bench. Give me Javante. And even though Javante is small, I just want him, his energy. The Bulls had no energy in that game. And I'm less concerned about the fact that the Bulls couldn't hit shots and more concerned about the fact that they had no energy. Yeah, the effort level was crap. Sometimes you miss shots. I mean, they were the effort level was terrible. Both ends of the court just beat all over the place. It was and it was it was obvious to see when you were there. They just they didn't so, have it anything. So I'm sure half the people listening to this or 90 percent of the people listening to this think Ricky, you're an idiot. You got to roll with Patrick Williams. I am going to disagree with you on this That's one. Fine. I, I think you got. I think you got to start Pat. You got to be ready with a quick hook, though. Like if he's if he looks bad and if he's moping around out there and he's not making anything, all right, you, you got to yake it fast. Just the thing with him, Pat is allegedly your future, a key part of your future. I would rather go down with giving him a chance than like Javante's been awesome this season for what he is. Javante is a nice role player. I mean, Javante didn't do anything out there either in this minutes, but he played eight he, minutes. I know, but like he, I mean, he didn't, all, he's also another guy who they're just not going to guard. Uh, he took, I think but what, I trust him three. to make shots more than Pat. Pat won't, I don't know. Pat, Pat, won't Pat was shot. really solid in game two. He had some really tough shot makes in game two. Like I would rather go down giving Pat a chance in the starting lineup than moving to Javante. If, but I, I'd find though quick hook. If he looks bad early, if he's just like not moving well, not really doing anything. All right, pull him, get him out of there. Give Javante more of a chance. Get a, get a spark in there. They just right. need an energy injection. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Everyone listening to that is going to think I'm an idiot. <laughs> Patrick Williams, but they the Bucks literally didn't guard him. Oh yeah, he missed wide open shot yeah, after wide open. He was in close. Shot. He was not he even. He scored one point in thirty minutes. Yeah. He played fucking terrible. So be quick with that. All right, and then the other thing I'd like to see, just uh, from Nexus Nose perspective, is set some screens for Demar like more towards half court. And when the Bulls really have gotten going this season, you'll notice they set a lot of screens for DeMar, like inside of the three-point arc. Yeah. I understand that because that's where DeMar likes to do a lot of his best work. He can pull up from 15 feet after getting that screen and get right into it. But they need to try to generate some downhill Downhill, momentum a little bit in this game. One way to do that is to set screens higher on the floor for Zach and for Demar. If you're setting those, and, if you're setting those screens in the paint, I mean, it's just so clogged in there. When you have those huge bodies, like you're just not going to get any three seven footers in the yeah. starting lineup. Like there's nothing yeah. you can do. Yeah. So the Bulls need to space out the floor, and they couldn't space it out uh, in Game Three because no one could really make shots, and the Bucks weren't even guarding any of the Bulls' role players. So adjustment for Game Four: set some screens more towards half court. Get Zach and get Demar attacking downhill a little bit more. Demar can attack downhill and then get into his mid range pull up, and then challenge Zach to get to the rim. I mean, they need some rim pressure. If Zach's going to be on the floor, I know he's hurt. I have sympathy for it to a certain extent, of course. But like, dude, you're playing. If he's playing, got to get to the rim, bro. Got to be better. So, so I'm yeah. setting screens like at half court or just a few steps inside half court 
for DeMar and for Zach to try to get them loose a little bit. And then they need to just get a little bit more creative with their offensive actions. Like the problem in this game was the offense. The offense yeah. was horrible. 83 points per 100 possessions. You scored 81 <laughs> points on the night. That is not going to get it done ever. And, and that's two games. That's done. that's two games like this where they've, they've so, been awful. What you need to do is get Zach moving more as a shooter off the ball to try to leverage his gravity. I saw some tweets from people being like, Zach Levine is just standing around and watching other guys do the work. Okay, well, when Zach Levine is standing around, at least he brings some shooting gravity. You can't totally leave him uncovered because he's a very good catch and shoot threat. So try to get Levine moving around some screens, even if he can't go 100%, put him in some like dummy decoys. I think it's easier to leverage his skills while he's injured off the ball than it is on the ball. Like it's tough to just give Zach the ball and be like, okay, dude, go create against these three, seven footers uh, while you're playing injured. But if you get him moving a little bit more off the ball, even if it's on like some decoy actions, I think that could be beneficial for him. Uh, and then I don't know, like Vooch has got to keep shooting. He went three and nine from three in this game. They just got to do something to juice up the offense a little bit. Yeah. And this was such a rough 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 offensive performance right yeah it's been the offense i mean two games out of three has been terrible uh so first game was just first game i thought the process was mostly fine the guys just missed shots today the process i mean they they were just terrible just awful they were totally shut down uh i mean looking at i mean just even like the bench do you change up anything with your rotations i I, tristan should be banished we've talked about that he was he had two points 12 minutes one of two shooting did not have a single rebound, minus 16, two I turnovers. Tristan. I mean, what are you doing? I, I mean, want him banned from the city of Chicago <laughs> as soon as the season's over. He can never step foot in our fine city again. Then the other thing, dude, me and you have been sitting here all season being like, well, Kobe, Kobe. might be frustrating sometimes. He might be a little inconsistent, but he's going to have a game in the playoffs where he wins us the game. Well, Kobe was not good in this game. He, again, looks like he doesn't really have the the juice to play in the playoffs. Hey, he did lead the team in rebounding, though. Eight boards. Good for him on that one. He <laughs> shot yeah. two and nine. He went one to six from three. Minus 19. Minus yeah. 19. He's terrible. He just doesn't look any good. Hunt him He's defensively. Terrible. I mean, yeah. And that's two straight. I mean, I thought he was pretty good in game one. I liked he, he wasn't hesitant, got up shots, made a few shots. Uh, the he, last two he's games. He's not making he's smart decisions on the floor either. Yeah, right. So exactly. he's just killing. I mean, he it's painful to watch because I really am rooting for Kobe. I know. To like go off, hit five, six threes, give the Bulls a chance. <laughs> These other young two guards around the league, like Tyrese Maxey, like Tyler Hero, like Jordan Poole are all balling. Yeah, and the Bulls are Jesus. not getting anything from Kobe. So. Yeah, I mean, those are all was, – was Maxey – no, Maxey was last year. Maxey was the Maxie's year second after. Year? Yeah, he was okay, 2020. Yeah. Kobe was, was, yeah, Poole and, he was drafted way ahead of Jordan Poole. He was taking 19 spots ahead of Poole in the draft. Yeah. And, yeah, Jordan Poole's been in like 30 a game right now. Obviously, playing with Steph and Clay and Dre, it's nice. But, like, dude is hitting shots, hitting ridiculous shots, circus shots. Uh, and, and, and this also come, I tweeted this last night as well. Uh, Bulls draft picks last night. They have what? Three of them on the roster, right? They drafted Patrick Williams. O of nine. Uh, they drafted Kobe white two of nine. They drafted IO two of six. So that's four of 24 for homegrown bulls draft picks. Uh, that's awful. I mean, the bulls as of right now, the bulls haven't drafted like someone that's like more than even just guys who aren't even on the team anymore. They haven't drafted anybody who's like more than a guy since Jimmy. Right. I mean, Nick, that was what? 2011, 2012. They drafted Jimmy every like pick since then. 
they just haven't gotten close to enough. And it's been, and it's been especially brutal when you drafted high for three or four years. Obviously, Pat is still super young, but like there are other young players around the NBA making huge impacts. Pat did play well in game two. I talked about that. That was nice. But like Kobe being in year three and being just, I mean, nothing here, giving you nothing. Uh, like, do you turn do you turn to IO first? Because Billy, so like over the course of the year, IO kind of took. I feel like kind of moved in front of Kobe for the regular season. Obviously, he kind of hit that rookie wall, struggling. He hasn't looked great in this series either. But like, do you try? Are you talking about like energy? Like, do you try to go to IO over Kobe yeah. first I got, off the I got bench? A, another one for you. Do you just let Giannis get his and cover the shooters? And just right. be like, okay, was, Giannis, you can score 40. We're not going to let Grayson Allen hit six threes. We're not right. going to let was, Bobby Portis. I was, th- I was thinking about too, like, do that. Like, I'm almost fine. Like, if Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen are going to shoot 60% from three on you, like, I feel like you, maybe you just tip your cap. Like, the defense, obviously, the Bulls' effort though. wasn't great yesterday. They got smoked everywhere. I didn't think they were that great defensively. But, like, in terms of the game plan of, like, letting whatever, being fine with that happening – Obviously, once like they are shooting that hot, you got to make some type of adjustment. But like coming out for like game four, do you just kind of let that happen again and be like, you know, if Brooke Lopez hits threes and if Grayson hits five, him and Bobby hit 10 threes again to get like, I guess I could live with that if those guys are just on fire. Because that's what they did in the first couple games. And those guys were not hitting. Connaughton's been struggling with his shooting. So like. I don't know. It's tough. It is a lot, gotten a lot tougher because Giannis has just been, has improved his passing so much. As you said that he's, even you load up on him, he finds guys. Uh, so it's not like he, sometimes he makes some bad decisions. So like, I don't know. I mean, do you yeah, have, maybe you try just, all right, Pat, Javante, Jerry Jones, whoever one-on-one man up on Giannis, let him dunk on you or like do your best. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'd be fine kind of sticking what they've been doing at least to start game four. If those role players are hot games, a lot of times in the playoffs, whatever role players shoot better at home. Of course, that has not been, that has not been the case in this series so far. Was the role players got hot here on the road? So I don't know. That's a t- that is a tough one because I don't know. You just like assume that Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis aren't going to shoot nine of fucking good 15. shooters though. I know. I guess I mean obviously you got to do a better job of closing out if you're going to give them just wide wide open looks. Like that's going to be a problem. How many so, guys on the team do the Bulls have? who are better shooters than Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis. They have Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball is not playing. And then maybe Kobe, maybe, but Kobe's three-point percentage tanked in the second half of the year too, I think. so. Yeah, yeah. Kobe was at like 35% after the All-Star break. Let's see, what what did Grayson shoot this year? Grayson did have a pretty nice season. Uh yeah, he shot 41. Yeah, I mean he's Kobe been, ended the year 38.5%. Yeah, Grayson Allen's nice, been that's nice. Yeah, Grayson Allen's been 40% for his career basically on almost five attempts per game. So Grayson Allen is much better shooter than Kobe White. Well, Kobe needs to go off in this game <laughs> if he's on the floor. They need to find a way to get Zach moving off the ball so he doesn't have to create with the ball in his hands, which he is incapable of doing in his current condition. Showed no you know, ability to gain separation from the defense at any level of the floor. And they have to get DeMar loose somehow. The Bucks had him trapped in hell. In hell. I mean, <laughs> in absolute hell. So. I mean, yeah, I mean, both guys, both DeMar and Zach just had no chance, nothing going towards the basket, nothing. I mean, Wes, Drew, locked in hell, the big guys, back line, trapping, crowding. And they just said like, they couldn't go anywhere. It was, uh, it was, yeah, it was brutal. All right. Well, Jay, I got I got nothing. I, I will I will say this one thing, and I, I tweeted that this morning. 
cool hat giveaway by the Bulls. They had, I can't remember what the guy's name was. Uh, they had like a local guy design like a hat, a giveaway hat. It was a really nice hat. Uh, my wife loved it. I, I wore it during the game. I'm not like a huge hat guy, but very nice hat. Shout out to the guy who designed that and the Bulls for giving away a cool hat. Uh, the halftime show was kind of amusing. Somebody just tweeted me right now about the guy like who like sets up chairs and like like higher and higher ends up doing like a handstand on it. That was kind of, that was like more entertaining than the game itself. Uh, and I mean, and Bulls fans brought it. They were ready yesterday. They were ready to go crazy. And just, we were Too sucked out. Of, yeah. We were sucked out of it. 10, five minutes into the game and it just kept getting worse and worse. There were, uh, there were booze. You know what? Part of me was like, you know, they don't deserve to be booed. Like first playoff game in forever. Like it's been a pretty good season. And then, uh, and then I said later that they deserve to be booed because they, I mean, they were down by 40, almost 40 at one point. And th- there's a point where fans are going to boo. You're getting your ass beat. You put that, put up that kind of poo poo platter effort. You can get some boos. Don't want to go any further than that. I don't want to like be too harsh on these guys. It is just one game, but that kind of effort in a, your first playoff game, home playoff game, and it's the worst home playoff loss in Bulls history. It's got to see some history. I've seen a couple real true clunkers this season as I was at that Warriors game where they lost by 40 I was at this game last night where they lose by 30 and worst home playoff loss ever. So maybe I just need to stop going to bulls games. If they somehow, yeah. uh, I say, if they somehow get to a game six next Friday, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll go to that. Maybe I just shouldn't. We still just lose by lose by 30 again. Yeah. Here you are, Jace wearing a bulls Jersey on the podcast. What Jersey is that? You this, got the white. This is just a Jordan Jersey. It's a Jordan Jersey. Okay. A home. Home Jordan well, Jersey. Jace, we got to get this podcast out because yep. game four, very quick yep. turnaround. Yeah. So hopefully the Bulls are able to turn the page 36 hours later, basically, and get their heads out of their butts. And let's get, let's get Giannis, maybe some Chicago nightlife, maybe fill him up with some Euro, some deep dish pizza. He won't get a he won't get his normal nap for a noon game. Uh, maybe he'll be, he'll be lethargic. He'll, uh, I've been saying, on. man, the honest nap, the honest nap is a yep. thing. He always plays bad in noon games. So fingers crossed, but here's the thing. They got their asses kicked by <laughs> yeah. 30 in game three, where Giannis scored 18 points. <laughs> he wasn't, so, he was a plus 36. He was, he, he was awesome. Had, he was awesome. Yeah, he was awesome. Despite not doing much scoring, he controlled the game as he, I mean, Giannis, Absolutely. Giannis has dominated the series, even though yeah. it's only two one. I mean, he was the game. I think he was a plus last game. In the first game, he was what like plus like nineteen, and like the Bulls, I think were my or he, I think they were the Bucks were minus twelve when he was on the bench. So Giannis, the Bucks have absolutely murdered the Bulls with Giannis on the court this series. Uh, luckily, when he goes to the bench, they have had a little bit more success. Obviously, not last night. Well, I guess actually, I mean. Bucks were minus six without Giannis on the court yesterday. Obviously, some of that was garbage time late last night. But uh, when Giannis has been on the court, the Bulls just have, have they have no answers. Uh, and I mean, expected. He's arguably the best player in the world. He's been awesome. It would just be nice to <laughs> at least compete. Whatever. If if the Bulls go out and lose this series in five, whatever. But like, just give me a better effort in Game Four. Hopefully, they can make it competitive. Uh, setting up Game Five back in Milwaukee on Wednesday. That's going to do it for us here at Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you for listening to us. No, it was a brutal game. It's a brutal game to be at. Hopefully, again, game four will be better. Uh, We will see. It's hard hard to be too optimistic right now, but we'll see. Shout out to the Blue Wire Network, as always. We've got in the midst of these NBA playoffs, got a ton of great coverage going on across the Blue Wire Network for the NBA playoffs and all these other sports that are going on. For us here at Cash, 
real quick. Yes. You should tell the listeners, I'm going to be in Arizona this weekend. I'm not coming back till Monday afternoon. So you're not going to get a game four immediate reaction pod. We're going to need a day or two. That might not be up till Tuesday. We'll see. We'll try to record it Monday though. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely try to get something on Monday night uh, for sure. So yeah. Uh, As always when this pot, this pod will be up later, uh, hopefully soon. Uh, Please, as always, rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Shout out to Fuzzgun, as always, for his intro for us this season. Check out his SoundCloud. So, 2-1 bucks. Game three was awful. We'll see about game four. Sunday at the United Center, noon. Uh, we'll talk. We'll we'll be back to talk about this Monday night because Ricky's out of town. So hopefully we get a better outcome, or at least a better game to talk about, even if it's a loss. But we're gonna cross our fingers here that the Bulls can somehow tie the series up. So we will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy.